This is Hiram, Chelsea fan, and make sure you guys press record at this time, you idiots. You're watching the DU football show. <laughs> uh, sorry, grain sideburns, but uh, yeah, it was a West London derby and they won, so I felt it uh, imperative to play the Chelsea intro. So sorry to all my uh, fits, that just what happens. It is what it is. Yeah. See, when he when I don't let him talk, he gets angry, but when I give him a chance to talk, he does this and goes all quiet. So let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right day, the fucking Gooner Graham. Smoke of a lord, but straight in shorts. Sam Bramby. Sam Graham. Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League, abbreviated as told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the internet's from me because, well, there's three inches of snow and we can't fuck with that. My co-host, Mr. Samuel Graham. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad, sir. How you doing? Uh, hanging Ooh. in there. Oh, he's getting an echo, but we're I've not. I've got a big echo on myself. Okay, well then okay, go ahead on. and change your headphones. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Just give me a second. All right. Now, how about now? How about now? Is there an echo now? Nope. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. No problem. I think it was the noise in the background. Does that mean that'll be a problem when we have our interview on? Nope. Okay. Very good. Alrighty. So anyways, um, and of course on the ones and twos, fixing everything right now is uh, producer Mel. Have I got Ryan joining in? Yeah. He'll, well, well, he's in the second segment though, so he just gets to watch for the first half. Well, then he just left. Okay. <laughs> All good. We're recording at the DU Public House just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and of course, watch us streaming live every single Monday night. Should you want to chat with us, there's many ways that you can. Mr. Graham, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Of course I will. It is at DU Football Show on all the social media and DU Football Show at gmail.com to get in touch via email. Very good. Sam, myself, both work in the wine and spirit industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So is the red-blooded Americans we are. We vow to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every single show. We're going to take a little break from the list since we're not in the same room. Mr. Graham, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? And I'll tell you what I'm drinking. I will absolutely. I've got some Heaven's Door Ascension. Oh, very uh, good. This is the same mash bill, um, aged a little longer uh, as their regular uh, straight bourbon. A 92 proof on this one. Um, it is delightful. It's got a little bit more body than the original. Um, I much prefer it. And the cool part about it is their line price after the price increase from the original last time out. So. It should be running you roughly 60 bucks on the shelves. Oh, that's not bad at all. I am uh, drinking something from the Whiskey Advocate uh, Top 20 list from about three years ago, the Aberfeldy 18-year-old. Uh, nice. And this is the uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the primary whiskeys that goes into Dewar's for blending. Uh, it's actually mm -hmm. owned by the Bacardi House. And just a very straightforward... Um, uh, Highland, I'm not sorry, not Highland, um, Speyside uh, whiskey. 
sherry sherry butt finished with uh with a new american white oak um nice sweet little bit of that sherry kiss to it um a lot of vanilla that comes from the uh, bourbon oak on the staves and just a lovely fucking whiskey and i believe this was a top 10 and it was well worth it and uh i thought since there was snow on the ground we needed whiskey without the e and uh Mel, yes, i'll let you have a little taste there Thank too you. And I moved the camera there for you. I'm doing my double duty since the camera's right down by me. I can switch it over to the Big B cam there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Big B goes, where's my drink? <laughs> Mr. Right. Graham, what should we always do? Always remember to drink responsibly, ladies and gentlemen. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. We only had uh, five games this week, and we have the other five next weekend. Let's uh, go ahead and chat. Um... I think we're just going to go ahead and do it right in the order that they were played. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Ready? Burnley yes, 1, Luton 1, Chelsea 1, Fulham 0, Manchester City 3, Newcastle 2, Villa 0, Everton 0, Tottenham 2, Man U 2. Clarets had the bulk of the chances, man. They clearly had the bulk of the chances. and But they, <laughs> let, but they let Luton in, and Luton found a way to get a late equalizer. They did, absolutely. That's the, the biggest piece of it, is that Burnley did not close the game out. They didn't kill the game off, um, was the biggest uh, the biggest issue. Um, and I'm trying to pull the exact stats up real quick. Yeah, Burnley had seven shots on target. I mean, Brighton, or not Brighton, uh, Luton, rather, did have five shots on target. So they weren't bereft of chances by any means. Um, I think, though, uh, however, that Burnley's a bit hard done here. Um, I think that was a foul on the goalkeeper at the end. Uh, that's, it did. The very second point that I was going to get to is, was that goal a foul? Should Trafford have done be- better? Did VAR get it wrong? I think there's a lot. To, there's, there's multiple answers within that. And I think all of them are yes. Yes, it was a foul. Yes, Trafford should have done better. Yes, VAR was wrong. <laughs> like... Yeah, absolutely. I, but I, ultimately, the the foul wasn't given, and the equalizer scored in the uh, second minute of stoppage time. Second minute of stoppage time, undoing all the good work that Burnley had done in those opening 25, 30 minutes. You know, in in creating the chances and pinning Luton back for a bit. Luton did have a chance or two. You know, um, but Trafford made a couple of really good saves. Uh, saves you'd expect him to make, but saves nonetheless. The balls were struck well and struck hard. I uh, still had to make the saves. Um, but you know, it, it just—it's so unfortunate for Burnley. I'm—I'm I'm not really the the kind of light at the end of the tunnel is getting further and further away for Burnley in my mind. It really is. It really is now, and also for Luton, like if you want to get yourself out of the zone, this was one you needed to win, and it took an at the death with the help of VAR equalizer. Now I wanted to get back to Trafford for a second because this was something we talked about with him last week well a couple of weeks ago was how he is very much poised to be the next england number one but in that situation he literally just got pushed off the ball now in this instance it was a foul three weeks ago four weeks ago when it was against everton and godfrey just stood in his way it wasn't a foul it's a keeper you got to get through that shit man you gotta if, if your intent is to get to the ball you better fucking get there like and that's where when we talk about the youth and inexperience and what he needs to work on because even with his little fucking arms jordan pickford would have gotten a hand on that thing yeah and i wonder if the because he didn't really get any kind of a hand on it 
is that why ultimately VAR ruled the way it did? They're like, well, he wasn't really in the play. Now, I think he got pushed out of the way. I think it was absolutely a foul, but trying to rationalize what it was that VAR saw in that that did not make that a foul, I'm wondering if that was it. And as a keeper, you just got to get yourself fucking involved, man. You yeah, got to get to that ball. I, mean, I don't remember the Luton player that that nudged him, but you could. it's a definite movement towards Trafford, um, in my opinion. I think he definitely impedes him. Now, did Trafford go down a little easily? Probably. Are keepers typically protected at a higher degree than how he was protected? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm just a bit surprised, uh, to be completely honest with you, how how that all went down and, and how VAR didn't overturn it. I'm just I, I would a say little just perplexed, from, really. From my experience, and obviously just playing fucking, you know, drunk beer league indoor soccer is not the same, but... I got no, a call. It is the same. That's what qualifies us to talk about this. Is, <laughs> yeah, it very is the good. same. Exactly. You know, you know what? Like Al Bundy, one time in high school, I four, scored four touchdowns <laughs> in one game, motherfucker. Um, but for me, I would always find I got the call if I was going for the save. If I was looking for the foul, I didn't get the call as a keeper. So it was always just go for the ball. Go for the ball, make the save, just try to do what you can, and you hope the ref can sort it out and protect you. But if you assume the ref is going to protect you, you ain't getting that call. Well, that's exactly that, that actually could play into it as well because what, what was that? Uh, was it in the was it in the FA Cup or was it in? It might have been in League One or League Two a couple of weeks prior to the third round of the FA Cup. That keeper that um, in stoppage time. I think it was only goal of the game, if I remember correctly, was coming out with the ball, got hit shoulder to shoulder with somebody, nothing major, goes down, drops the ball, player puts in the back of the net, referee was like, yeah, okay, get up. Yeah, the Barnsley. It was Barnsley yeah, who scored Barnsley, the goal. That's right. Yep. Yeah, 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 exactly. I remember that very specifically. <laughs> now, uh, it, it'll, so really not much else to say about that. I mean, it's two teams in the relegation zone. This was a very good opportunity for Luton to get out of it. And this is the kind of game that's going to haunt you. This is the kind of game that can haunt you the next time you're out on the pitch, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So moving on, the West London Derby, exactly what you expect a West London Derby to be. Hard fought, physical, chances on both ends, and a one-nil score line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, both teams, every single statistical category was pretty much even in this game uh, for the most part. Um it was it was just a good all around game. There just wasn't a lot in the final third. Right, right, precisely. Um, there were chances, you know, was, and each keeper had to make a couple of saves, but not anything dramatic. Oh yeah, I don't. Why is Sanchez out? By the way, I, uh, I missed that. He's been out for a while. He's been out for a while. Oh, we just haven't had a reason to talk about Chelsea, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, old Georgie Porgy Petrovic did really well, didn't he? Made a couple uh, of saves. A, Leno a, a made couple, one as well. A couple of good saves. Yep. Um. um He's done well deputizing for Sanchez in the last few weeks, though. So, uh, uh, hell, hell of a finish. Hell of a finish. Chelsea had to hold on at the end because Fulham definitely had their chances. There was absolutely yeah. opportunities. Um, and Cole Palmer again for the spot. I think that's the sixth or seventh penalty this season mm -hmm. that he scored most in the Premier League. Yep. Well, that was this the is almost like that Andy Johnson season uh, for Crystal Palace years ago when he scored. He had like 22 league goals, but like 14 of them were from the penalty spots. 
there, there's something that's kind of good with Chelsea, as we were talking about how Chelsea just has so many fucking players and has spent so much money on those players that they don't get in trouble for financial fair play rules. I'm not bitter at all. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be charged at some point. I mean, well, or they won't be because they structured the, they hedged the next 30 years of the club they'll, they'll, structuring. They'll They'll, they'll, structuring those deals. We'll, we'll get to that in the next segment. I'm sure the FA will change the rules to make sure that they don't get in trouble. But, you know, fucking Everton. Got to keep an eye on those fucking well, idiots. He, he, uh, all right, we'll, we'll come on to We'll Everton get to that. Shortly. Anyways, <laughs> what I wanted to say, with uh, Palmer, with, with all the players that they bought, it seems like it's a couple of youth guys. Now, Palmer is someone who they bought, but Palmer and Gallagher are really starting to make themselves part of the furniture in that lineup. Gallagher's wearing the captain's armband. He's really seeming to get into the role and starting to understand what it is he's supposed to do. Palmer, knowing that there's a ton of striking options, is just going, you're not fucking benching me. I'm just going to keep scoring goals. Like, I'm going to force your hand. You are going to keep me on the pitch. Nick Jackson yeah. doesn't get to play. I play, you know? Yeah. Well, see, but Cole Palmer can operate midfield as well. I mean, mm -hmm. that's part of the reason he left City is because the person in front of him was still Foden. Yeah. And, like, how do you displace Phil Foden? You you're know not. what I mean? Like, you're just not. Right. So that's part of the reason he left. And really, joining the, the shit show that is Chelsea, he's able to kind of assert himself, uh, as you said. But um, speaking of the financial fair play implications, uh, um, Conor Gallagher is actually on the chopping block uh, for Chelsea and has to be. Because if you recall, old Gallagher is one of the very few players that came through the Chelsea Academy and would represent pure unadulterated profit for Chelsea oh, football they'll club. have to sell them then huh and it's part of the reason that Mason Mount went last summer uh, is pure <laughs> unadulterated profit so they can claim the entirety of the sale price uh, against their financial fair play balance sheet well then he's gonna get a pretty nice price tag and he is certainly auditioning himself very well because he's finally seemingly in the Chelsea lineup and doing the and doing the job for them. That's for damn sure. Uh, uh, he'll get bought by Manchester United by the end of the month and then be ruined. It'll be just fine. Never play. <laughs> yeah. uh, on to the next match, and I tell you what, this was actually the most exciting match of the weekend for because for the most part, it wasn't really a very good weekend of footy. Um, it was not. The Newcastle City match was fucking crazy. And what's even crazier, Mr. Graham, and when we get into it on the EFL show, wasn't the craziest match in all the football in England this weekend. No. <laughs> it was not. Fucking Grimsby um, Town but, and fucking Notts County get that fucking honor. A 5-5 draw. Yeah, fucking 10-goal thriller. <laughs> uh, but if you if you look at this game, it was, it was very much in, like separated in a third like a 20 minute period and then the second half yeah <laughs> kind of so that first third i mean the newcastle were off to the races city didn't really have anything about them besides the bernardo silva goal yeah that was it. that one little piece of play was really the only thing that city strung together i mean newcastle were well on the front foot and they were very good value for money um they transitioned so well with Gordon and Isaac and both of them kind of scoring a carbon copy, you know, goal of each other, uh, Isaac's first. And then Gordon's two minutes later, um, it's just opening up their body and finding that far post. I reckon that, uh, uh, Anthony Gordon's was, was better 
um, though, because of the position of the defender and using the defender to unsight the goalkeeper and all that kind of stuff um, was a bit different from Isaac's uh, kind of free run in on goal. Um, anyway, but so it, it was just, it was a wild game. Then you had that 15 minute spell kind of either side of halftime brief, you know, kind of briefly where it was really end to end and nobody was a clear kind of front runner. Right. And then Kevin De Bruyne came on. I was the next point I was going to make is KDB is back. And then you back. get your last segment. Yeah. <laughs> then you get your last back. segment of the game. So his, his his first touch back in the Premier League was a, and probably his worst touch of the game was that first touch back was a free kick directly into the wall. After that, he was by far and away the best player on the pitch. And it cut above everybody else. Now, that being said, it did come at a time when Newcastle were starting to tire uh, and Joe Linton was hurt and uh, everything else was surrounding Newcastle was on a downer at that moment. But Dubravka should never be letting in KDB's goal. No. I don't care how well-placed it is. It's a literally a pass from 22 yards out, 23 yards out. It really was. On a fucking grass cutter. It wasn't a proper shot. You should be able to scramble and get there. I don't care if you're unsighted. There, it, it just for me, it wasn't a clean enough strike. It was very well placed. Don't get me wrong, and it was fast enough. Obviously, it did beat him. But I, for my money, Nebraska's got to be doing better there. Um, for the Oscar Bob's goal, though, the winner in stoppage time, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, Jesus. that was a phenomenal ball. He created an angle when there was no angle. Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> And Bob with a, a rather fortunate, I think Kieran Trippy got a touch on it. So um, the control, I don't think he knew much about the control, although ended up being a perfect touch. But it was all about the balance and the drive and determination to finish that off. Um, and then just the technical skill to shift the ball from left to right in one fluid movement around Dubravka's feet and just put it away like you've been doing it for fucking years. Uh, when you're, you know, a 20, 21 year old kid is just absolutely fucking phenomenal. It was, it was a brilliant finish and what a way to get your first Premier League goal away to kind of the new guys on the scene, the new money. Yeah. You know, uh, now you had mentioned Joe Litton and this is the last thing we'll talk about, about this game, uh, came out today. He is now out for four months. So essentially the yes. rest of the season. And if you had said this three years ago, Newcastle supporters would be like, fuck yeah, don't have to, <laughs> dollar, don't have to deal with Joe Cominlinton. <laughs> but now he's really found a role in that in that team, especially under uh, Howe. And this is a massive fucking loss for them, like a massive oh, yeah, big loss. He's, he's a very emotionally led player. He's a very, he brings a ton of kind of emotion around him. He, he almost kind of provides a similar role to what I did um, for, for DU. If y'all weren't at the races that day, I would very much, let me, I'll do, I'll say it this way. I would have Joel Linton's emotion with James Tarkovsky's tackling abilities. <laughs> and I would put the, marry those together and I would try to galvanize you boys. And, uh, <laughs> and AKA, make you get your he heads crack, out of your asses. He'd, he'd crack somebody. He'd turn around and go, get your fucking heads out of your asses. And then just walk away as he had gotten his blue card. Because indoor, get a two-minute blue card walking off the fucking bitch. Yeah. 
Um, that was great. Let's go ahead and get right into that one. Uh, Everton and Aston Villa. This match was scrappy. And well, it, Villa it ended up being scrappy. At the beginning, it wasn't scrappy. It was actually quite sloppy to start off with. Um, both teams making mistakes, but Everton kind of pouncing on those chances at first. Just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Emmy was 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 excellent. Um, Villa then started to turn a screw, and then Tarkovsky was like, "I don't know where I am anymore. I'm going to play serial killer." <laughs> I, I would say that Villa had the bulk of they controlled the game, but really the best opportunity came to Everton. It was Dominic Calvert Lewin on the dead to rights one on one that uh, he just wasn't able to slot away, and you could just tell. That's a striker with no confidence right now because he's made a couple of those earlier in the season already where he's just slotted it away. And you can yep. just tell it's he just needs to get some kind of a goal. Like, honestly, you know how his next goal is going to happen? It's going to hit off his nutsack. Like, that's how he's going to score that's, a goal. Yeah. He's going to dip yeah. a ball into the goal. And, and then he'll mm-hmm. be fine. But that's what happens with a striker. You just get that moment and suddenly it becomes a thing and it just doesn't well, that's seem it. to yeah, work. Exactly. And the, the second that you you break that duck, the second that you get that monkey off your back, it's just like, <sighs> yeah, and you, you can play with playing. that freedom again. You know what I mean? You can go, but you're not thinking about it anymore. And it, it could be, you know, you get pushed into a bowl that hits off your ass and you kind of roll into a backflip and accidentally backheel it in. But as long as it goes in, you're like, okay, I can do this now. My name is on the score sheet. And uh, also things to mention, uh, both teams had offsides, goals that were called back for offsides. Yep. Um, the the thing that was driving me nuts is not only with, with the one that got called back, Mourinho hit a brilliant hit, which, by the way, when Dinier's healthy, it's going to have a hard time getting back in that lineup because Mourinho yeah, so is, well. Mourinho's been playing very, very well. Really so, well. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing that I – that really bugged me about that one is the fact that um, it was Dan Juma that got kind of just thrown to the ground and it was like, all right, if you don't find an offsides here, you have to at least acknowledge that he just got grabbed by Bailey and just thrown to the ground. And that's the only reason why if anybody was on sides was because he was getting up from being thrown to the ground. So, but ultimately... I I think they, they probably went with the offsides decision. Now, here's another British person thing right the awkwardness and the kind of weirdness the foul happened first before the offsides the goal should have been disallowed for the foul but with the scrutiny that referees have been under lately and the var in particulars have been under lately because of how many high profile fuck-ups they did you know what we're gonna say it was offsides because nobody can argue with us about that yeah right that's not a subjective decision that's an objective decision and i think that's fucking stupid yeah get the fucking call right show them that you can get the call right don't take the fucking cop out right well it's they always take the cop out well right i mean they do now yeah absolutely but i i think it was a moment for var to stand up and be like hey look this was a foul nobody would have disagreed with that he was being very plainly dragged to the ground by Ezra Concer or uh, Diego yeah. Carlos, whoever yeah. it was. I, I, uh, no, it was Consa. I said Bailey earlier, but it was Consa because Bailey's who took the corner kick. It was Consa who pulled him down. Uh, but yeah. anyways, um, you were talking about Tarkovsky. Um, kills his own man. <laughs> like in, uh, somebody Bailey woke got... up on the wrong side of the fucking bed. <laughs> yeah. Now, for me, um, absolutely, uh, that was a clean tackle in the corner. 
that he ultimately got. Oh, absolutely the, was. Yeah, we, he, no, it's a hard tackle. It was a clean tackle. Oh, he got all the fucking ball. Our boy, oh, uh, yeah. our boy, the business. I have discovered. Um, not a huge fan of ha- Everton. But public enemy number one to him is Tarkovsky. <laughs> Anytime yeah. Tark comes in with a hard tackle, he is on our fucking closed group crying about Tarkovsky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so, Tarkovsky's been, I mean, the best part about it was after that happened, he then just looked at, he was waving Philip players like, come on then, come on, get after me. <laughs> I'll take all you cuts off. Let's go. <laughs> that was my favorite bit of it. Was, I love that. that was my favorite a, bit of the whole he's thing. He's a fucking lunatic, what and that's what you want about him. Squaring up to Douglas Louise is never a good idea. Uh, not unless you're James Tarkovsky. It's a perfectly fine idea. It's a great idea. a thing for blondes. <laughs> yeah, it was, the whole thing was fucking weird, man. Now, um, the, the whole thing was weird. Emmy Martinez made of the match for me. Because of the, the two brilliant, the two brilliant saves he had. Yeah, he only had he was only called into action twice, and he made big saves at those moments. And I, honestly, this is a bad two points drop for Villa. This is a great one point for Everton. This is in your building. Make sure you're beating the teams that are right around you in your building. Make sure you're getting draws against the teams that are better than you in your building. If you do that. As long as the other doesn't give us another fucking 10 points, we should be fine. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine, Sam. Sam, it's going to be fucking fine. Well, it's going to be okay. It. And, and, for, and for, for Villa, for Villa, exactly right. This, this, you got diced. You yeah. know, the only thing that was missing was DCL finishing that chance. Then you would have properly gotten diced. Yeah. A 1-0 smash and grab. But you didn't. So, you know what? I think that's personally, I'm going to move us on now because that's enough about this game. Yeah, I agree. We have to talk about these criminals more in the second half. Uh, So, we're going to move on to United 2 Spurs criminals. (laughs) (laughs) One would say the FA is a bunch of the criminals. Um, I'm not here. I'm not here for truth. I'm here. Or I'm here for a good story, sir. Tell you and what, I won't you, let the truth get in the way of that. United uh, came out swinging, got that quick goal, but after that, it was all really Spurs. You know, after that first goal initially from uh, United. Yeah, for the most part, I mean, United scored with their only two shots on target. Um, the big takeaway from the game is yes, they didn't lose. That's important. Um, but Lissandro Martinez came back. And so there's the possibility that their starting defense is actually going to be settled for the next few weeks. Um, and that's, you know, something that at the end of last season was really working for them. They didn't need 38-year-old Johnny Evans right, uh, at the precisely. end of last season. Um, they did need him because of all of the injuries and everything else this season. So, um, which of course, I think we play Manchester United like three weeks or something, four weeks. And uh, so, of course, they're going to try to find a little bit of form just before they play us. That's how it always works. Yeah, never seems to fucking fail. But uh, yeah, Daft I mean, it was hey. it was it was all it was all Spurs and uh, Timo Werner. Daft made his debut. Daft little fucking header from Richarlison on that corner. It was very. That good. was a yeah. sneaky good header. I mean, uh, Rasmus Hoyland obviously rifled them in. Um, Marcus Rashford. They gave him credit for an assist, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they didn't. Good. Because he didn't deserve it. Because uh, he didn't do anything. The announcer said that he flicked the ball. Oh, well, how smart of him to flick the ball back to Hoyland. He didn't do that shit. He took it on a dribble and lost it to uh, Romero. He's lucky he didn't break his fucking leg. <laughs> and uh, Hoyland created his own space and absolutely just smashed that ball in the top corner. And then, like I said, just a few minutes later, I think it was 16 minutes later, 
uh, Richarlison with a great header off of uh, Pedro Porro's corner. Yep, and very very Everton esque, having your outside left back take your corners for you. Oh, by the way, the um, uh, I wanted to mention you had talked about United's finally getting their uh, center back pairing into shape. Same thing applies there for Spurs as well. Van der Ven came back. That's yeah, exactly that right. He played a lot huge. in this game. Well, yeah, and, and, uh, and he had his go-go gadget legs on full display as well. It also seems like when Vanderbilt's in, you don't have as much issue from Romero being, you know, caveman smash all the time. That yeah. tends to help them a little bit as well. <clears throat> um, I think he, tr- I think he trusts him, so he doesn't have to go. I got to do this all on my own. Yeah. I think that's part of Christian Romero's problem is he's like, I got to do this all on my own, and he just sees red. Now, the other thing, too, is obviously United goes up twice and then Spurs equalize twice. This is pretty good for Spurs considering no Basuma, no Sar, no Son. Like, they seem to be starting to get back to normal for Spurs. And mm-hmm. depending on how much longer Madison is out, like they could still make a push for Champions League because they're right in and around it. They're not that far off. They've done well enough to keep themselves in touch through that rough patch that they had. Um, It it has helped, obviously, with Newcastle's injury problems because that would be the other team and then Chelsea being such a shit show. Those would be the two teams you're looking at probably pushing for top four that are normally there, thereabouts the last two, three seasons. Um, well, not Newcastle, obviously, but with the money and everything else, you would expect them to be after the run they went on last year. So the the injuries have greatly benefited Spurs in that sense. United being kind of you know garbage for for large stretches this season, um, somehow still remain in the hunt as well. Um, so I don't I don't know. It, it's we'll see what happens. I, it's going to be interesting. I think. You know, kind of mid-March, we'll be able to sit and really take stock of what, you know, the the rest of the league is going to shape out to be. Well, I think Newcastle is going to start to get healthy again, um, minus Joel Linton, of course. But you've got KDB back. I mean, everybody's about to be relatively close to full strength again. Um, coming in, you know, start of February when the Africans come back, when the Asians come back um, from their various uh, continental competitions. So uh, I think it's going to be, you know, mid, mid-February mid to mid-March, we'll get a clearer picture of the league. Well, the good news, Mr. Graham, is that uh, United are now just less shitty enough to finish in seventh place so next year they can go win the McRib Cup. All right. This morning, reports have come out that Nottingham Forest have uh, – Nottingham Fortis and Everton have both been found in violation of the league's FFP rules. To discuss this with us, we have our good friend and one-third of the American Toffee podcast, Ryan Williams, here to discuss. Ryan, how are you? Good, sir. I'm just fine, guys. How the heck are you? Excellent. I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, the uh, ATP yet coverage of uh, the match against Villa. How do we do today? Because normally, I, I, I think we think kind of sympathetically whenever I hear us each on the same, you know, at the same time. Yeah, similar take. I mean, it was uh, it was a bit bloody, and two separate incidents where people had head wounds and had to be repaired on the pitch. I mean, I think that. Uh, that says it all on a zero zero draw. That's the first zero zero draw Unai Emery has ever had in the Premier League. That is crazy. What? 
Tark yeah. smash. I, mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? Wow. Cool. Tark yeah, just running around. Us, well. with, us, with us, his defense was garbage. With Villa, their offense was great. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry. I well, forgot. I had this queued up for us. I don't know if you remember this. No, it's not very good, Graham. No, that's terrible. Bad, it, much like your dad jokes, very bad. Yeah. No, that was very good. This is the America's Most Wanted segment. <laughs> oh, for, for dark. <laughs> very good. So, um, Ryan, real quickly, just briefly discuss what has come out today with the violations. Sure. Uh, yeah, the Premier League um, put out a statement that uh, didn't say too much other than kind of rolling down the, the rules a little bit and the periods in question, but uh, mentioned that both Nottingham Forest and Everton have... Well, they said have each confirmed to the Premier League that they're in breach of the rules, which is not really true what happened. But um, ultimately, they're going to be deferred to an independent commission, much like Everton was already last year. And um, away we go. I think both cases are a little bit different, but um, the Premier League statement didn't say say a whole lot. Um, Forest statement said nothing. I mean, literally it was two sentences basically saying we acknowledge and we'll cooperate and resolve it quickly. I mean, that's it. Unbelievable. Now, Everton gave a much, much longer one. I, I think the two cases are a little bit different, but yeah, it's the same type of thing as last year where you've got, you know, the two COVID years smashed together. Uh, so in essence, it's a average of those two and two other years, which makes it the three year valuation period for better, for worse. But yeah, I think, it's just hard to gather too much. We don't have the statements in front of us. Um, I, I think our statement could have been a lot shorter. I know you uh, guys at the ATP are a family show. I just think you could have just said two words. Fuck you. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, I mean, what I mean, honestly, said. a lot of it, too. I, I don't like, honestly. I just, um, you know, and, and, and some of it is like, look, there are some things, and we'll talk about it in a second. I think maybe we should knock out Forrest first. But yeah, please. there's some things where you could argue the Premier League maybe should change their rules. But, uh, you know, ultimately the rules are what they are. So to fight against those without prior approval, is kind of silly, but I, I think Forrest, again, there's only so much you know about it, but I think what Forrest has claimed is that had they sold Brennan Johnson before their fiscal year end, the end of June, they would have been absolutely fine, but they had offers from a couple different people. I think Brentford offered like 30 million pounds, and they're like, we're not going to sell him just for to meet regulations for 30 million pounds, and they flat out didn't, and they ended up selling it to Spurs in September for, you know, almost 50 million pounds. So um, it was almost like a choice. I, I mean, especially not with that owner, the logical choice and the choice is going to keep him out of trouble. He does not give a fuck. <laughs> no, he's an interesting guy for sure. Uh, you know, by the way, they could have sold Sam Surridge earlier to Nashville. That could have been helpful. Sorry. Had to get the MLS reference. In there. <laughs> and that was, but, but I mean, if that's all the case was, I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you just, you're in violation. I mean, there's no real question about it. I, I think, I mean, you look at the numbers, they were, they were incurring pretty big losses their last year in the championship. Um, They've got big negative net spend numbers, but you just don't know what else is in the statements because it's not just all spending, it's wages and other things as well. So keeping it on Forrest for a moment this as well. This guy right here. Hey, it's all about this guy right here, yeah. old Jay Legs. That's yeah, exactly. what fucked him up. He was on like 250,000 pounds a week and the rest of their squad was on 40. So the, <laughs> the other thing... Th 
when a team gets promoted, and we saw this with Villa in particular, you're going to be one of two teams. Or, uh, also Wolves, but a lot of their spending was done in the championship and they were people they True. brought up with them. You're going to be one of three two years thoughts. Ago, you are either going to spend a fuck ton of money and you are going to stay up or you are going to roll the dice. And if you go down, take that parachute payment back down to you with the championship and have your club be very financially fair. And in the case of Forrest... I, we've jokingly said they bought 267 players. Like they, they yeah. decided we're staying, we're going to spend the money. And particularly like you said, with Johnson, they would have easily have sold him if they didn't get promoted. Like he was being sold. I know we were in, we were interested in him as well. And oh, it's just like, no, no, no. That, that deal was done. I mean, he was going to Everton flat and, out. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Um, before, but they got promoted and whatever happened. Yeah, you do what Lutonhound would do. I mean, they're a pretty extreme example, but they know they can't compete from a revenue standpoint other than just what they're getting straight from the league. So they're going to take that money. They're going to be strict still on their wage cap and he's going to invest in the stadium so that they eventually have something that's more sustainable. But yeah, Forrest went crazy. I mean, there were jokes about how many guys they sold and you know, some of it reads a little bit like early Everton under under Moshiri. I mean, it's it's you know, things look at what they did in January. If you knew you were up against it, fine. But I mean, they bought I mean Felipe, who was on big wages, an older guy. Danilo is a great player, really good talent. I get that. You know, loans for Taylor Navas, but a loan for Chris Wood that vested after what like th I mean three times three games or something mm -hmm. and and he's making 100k a week that's that's what the athletic reported triggering for 15 million pounds and then i mean shelby i, I don't understand the judge of shelby deal mm -hmm. two and a half years at 75k a week why um so again you could typically when you're going up against the limit there's deals like this they did buy a lot of talented players so it's hard to argue but yeah they did go a little a little bit crazy this is clearly their way of saying you know what fine We'll roll the dice, but I'm not going to cost my team almost 20 million pounds. And, you know, we'll we'll see what the difference is, because, I mean, if you dock them points, if you get relegated, it's a massive financial impact. If you don't, you know, say you get docked with Everton did for 10, you know, 10 points and you don't get relegated. It's probably two to four spots in the standings. And that probably ends up being a good deal for you if you look at the money that you made on Brennan Johnson. Yeah, fair, very fair. Now, this one I'm going to kind of combine two questions as we move towards Everton. Is the first one is considering that it's one after another, should this be considered a double jeopardy on Everton? Also, because when we go back to COVID and we talk about the COVID spending, we didn't jump into the scheme. We didn't take advantage. We said we'll work off our own credit. We're going to keep everybody hired. We're not going to we're not going to furlough anybody. Yeah, I got you in just a second, Gary. We're not going to do any of that. And now this is coming back to bite you in the ass and you're not spending it on the field. You're spending it building a new field. Like how it, like so the idea of FFP is this is it's a competitive advantage. Well, where we're losing all the money is building a new stadium to try to make ourselves better and more financially viable but it just it all seems weird and graham go ahead and give your point as well and then we'll let ryan go the the, the rule that everton have breached is not the financial fair play rule it's the premier league's internal profit and sustainability which is different and does take into account infrastructure spending okay where ffp does not like uefa's ffp does not take that into account that's different now i did read a few different articles and this was kind of piggybacking on your question for ryan since he seems a bit more clued up on it 
is a few things I've read seem that this is the same fucking charge that they already have been punished for. But it because 2023 didn't garner enough profit that essentially they're still in violation. So it's the same issue, but it's 2023's charge instead of 2022's charge. Is that let's walk let's walk that down yeah partially so so ultimately it's a because they merged the average of those two years together it's those two years and two other years right so we moved ahead a year so really all that happens for everton's sake is and this is why i think people are just totally flummoxed how the heck do they fail is you take off fiscal year end 2019 and you tack on this last fiscal year 23 and from Everton's case, I mean, in 19, 19 was a massive contributor to the big loss. And we already know through the Premier League case that the argument is how how off or how much of a violation, how far did Everton exceed the 105? And it's 19.5 million pounds, according to the Premier League. So if you take off 2019, you add on 2023, I mean, really, it's just a math exercise there. All you need to do, and this is measured off your profit loss statement, you're in your income statement, as we would say in the States, you just need to do $19.5 million better from year over year, just comparing those two years. And so it's similar in a way to your point that it does include you know, three of those or two of those other years, three and then the two average together to make a second. Um, so I get the double jeopardy comment, but it's kind of disingenuous to me because look, Fair. all you need to do is do better in 23 and you already had a massive loss in 19. So I don't see how you could screw that up. So if you kind of peel that back a little bit, we'll get to the point about the stadium funding because me being the, you know, CPA and a couple of master degrees in finance, I cannot believe I use that as often as I've needed to the last couple of years in football, like whatever happened to like watching games and stuff, you know, like yeah. it's all, it's annoying. I hate it, man. Ryan, I, just, you I get almost to look wish at your, you uh, get to look at your, you get to look at your parents and you go, see my fucking college degrees being used. Stop it. Stop giving me a hard time about running around watching a game. Stop it. It's, it's so awful, right? I just wish I didn't have those letters after my last name every time we get into this. I had some guy on Twitter explaining to me what amortization was the other day. I was like, dude, I know. Wait, I don't want to know any more about it. Um, so, so anyway, uh, if you look at kind of 23 in a nutshell, I mean, Everton definitely reduced wages. So the pre PL is all revenue minus, minus expenses. So, you know, Richarlison's gone, Alon, Tosin, um, Rondon. You Sold Gordon. JPG. Well, no, Gordon. Right. Yeah, Gordon was 2023, yeah. Right, and so then we get into the player trading. The player trading's ridiculous. I mean, you basically bought, so all of all of Everton's business in this summer were bought after June 30th. So like Tremidi, Beto, those guys off. Um, but they did come in and did buy guys like Mopai, Onana, McNeil. But the difference is they only spent, you know, 75 million euros or so on players. Well, that gets amortized over the life of their contract. So my guess is player trading costs, expense related to player trading is about maybe 20 million euros, something like that. And they sold Moise Keen. And the net gain on that was probably about 15, you know, 20 million euros, about 15 probably million euros. And Gordon, who was all profit because he's an academy kid. So you got a massive profit from player trading. Wages are dropped. How on, and there's no like out, outlandish charges for coaches because we we're firing, firing them every year. So what the heck happened? Um, so you read Everton's statement and they don't really talk about that too much. 
But reading in between the lines, my guess is the only thing it could really be is massive interest expense. However, there's a big curveball, right? So that was the big argument of the case before. The argument was pre-planning costs on infrastructure, which let's talk about that first. Number one, why would the Premier League not want to encourage teams to spend on football facilities and things like that? Of course they would. In Everton's weird case, because they're fairly unique building the stadium, I mean, they spent upwards of 50 million pounds, not just on infrastructure and pre-planning, but like all sorts of heritage assets because of the crazy location of the stadium, all this other stuff, which the Premier League rules explicitly say, those are just expenses, man. We're not making any allowance for that. Now they eventually fought that and came to some sort of compromise. That should have nothing to do though with my 23 versus 19 thing. Why? Once the construction starts, and in this case, the way UK gap is designed, once you achieve planning, which they have, any interest expense explicit for debt related to construction is capitalized as part of the asset. So it's not even on the P&L. And so that was a big argument of the case. Everton said, well, wait a second. We didn't capitalize stuff after pre-planning. That's our bad, but hey, cut us a break. If we had done that, we wouldn't have blown through the, the difference by quite as much, which is a laughable case, right? It's like, well, why didn't you? It's like the Gilfie Sigurdsson thing. Well, we didn't, we didn't collect insurance on him, you know, because we're just a nice, wonderful group of people. Well, okay, but that's on you. But my issue is I don't see how at this point you're way past construction has been going on all throughout 23. Like if you're so stupid that you didn't explicitly tie or demonstrate that your debt is tied to the stadium and thus capitalizing, that's taking it out of the entire equation, just for accounting too. It's not like you don't need a provision in the rules and Premier League guidance for that. It just, it doesn't hit your P&L. It just goes right to the balance sheet. Like, if you're not doing that, you're you're just that's on you. So I can't imagine that's really an argument. And in that case, and then I'll wrap up and I'll turn it over. So I'm talking a lot here. Is look, why didn't you get a financing deal done explicitly for the stadium? Like you blew it. Now you're in a high interest rate environment. Just the whole financial end of it is absolutely insane. And okay, the war was a big factor too, but this really has nothing to do with this. This had to do with just making decent remotely normal decisions. I mean, can you guys think of a single stadium that has ever been built? I mean, those are big projects without dedicated financing. Like seriously, go do the research. You will not find one. So I don't know what the breach could possibly be. My guess is that's it, but I just, I cannot see how they would have gone by. I was shocked. Graham, you go first. Yeah, I've got two two quick points because that was a lot of highbrow CPA jargon, and I need to make sure that the DE football show community it's brought back down to earth real quick. I, mean, I could swear if you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love that, Ryan. Eventually, you're going to record an intro I mean, for us. You've heard me swear. I mean, you've you've heard me swear, so it's not like you know. I mean, I cuss like a sailor, just just not on the podcast. That's safer. The, the American Toffee Pod. Where am I? The American Toffee Podcast is safer work, gentlemen. It's a family friendly <laughs> show. We are not. <laughs> No, we are definitely on the commute uh, uh, side of that listening experience. Um, so the f- the first piece is um, is something you said right at the end. The Iowa caucus t- uh, started today. Do not use the phrase "do your own research" from now until at least uh, the fourth Thursday of November, <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're back into that is a barred phrase. We can't say that anymore. We are in the, the DMV. You're right. Good point. <laughs> the um, the actual other point that I, I wanted to make real quick is also just to, to bring it back down to kind of, you know, our level um, a bit is essentially what it sounded like 
uh, is Manchester City have avoided um, their day in court by employing lawyers that have stole things as well as creating a situation where they have so many offenses the Premier League has not been able to get to them yet. Chelsea filled out the forms but filled them out in American dollars and nobody can figure out the exchange rate that's happening every day. <laughs> and Mushiri just essentially sent the four men in crayons is what you're saying. Actually, I think that that's pretty accurate. You know, the sad part is that city approach, it worked for FIFA and UEFA. Like, how did that work? Yes, we made up a bunch of fake companies that really are our own selves. And we uh -huh. paid ourselves to break out our revenue and drive it up the wazoo because the whole thing's based on revenue, basically. And it was cool. And we just, you know, shucked and jived long enough that the statute of limitations went. And that worked. That worked. Oh, my God. How does that work? It's like, uh, it's like a bad movie, you know? I don't know how the Premier League hasn't got to that one yet. I I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, but I'm sure it's involved. City reminds me of Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Like, just completely ignoring everything around, just doing well, it. Well, this, at this point, City, like, who cares? Like, well, because if I'm City, I'm like, look, you know what? Fine. What are you going to do? It's like when they try and take banners down the, uh, off the wall from college sports and stuff. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we there's no banner up there, so it didn't really happen. Yeah, I mean, the, on, the, the Fab the Fab Five still made it to the final against North Carolina. Like, it's not like it suddenly changes. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because because they were in violation. Oh yeah, no no, they were never all all five of them were never there. The timeout never happened. It never happened. Nothing to see yeah. here, people. Yeah, the we forgot never UNLV existed. suddenly. No, no, yeah. we did not. I mean, come on, man, it's just so ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I mean, you said it right though, Sam. I mean, really. It's like coloring crayons. It's just stuff that you just like, this shouldn't be that complicated now. And I mean, the thing is, if this was just one instance, I get it. And, and I actually think Everton's case in the appeal wasn't very well made, but I think there's actually some legitimate things in that one. But if you go out and do the same thing again, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Uh, my, my, my hope is, my hope is that, you know, the whole concept of like tethering debt to a stadium without being too, I, I'm trying to dumb it down to the right. DU level. Well, that, that, that's what I'm here. We're, we're, we're like, kind of dumb, like, so how, you should dumb it down. <laughs> but, but how hard is that? I mean, come on, man. Like, you know, well, that, and that's I, what I'm saying. I mean, from, from essentially what I gathered from what you said was, is that he basically just didn't fill out his tax form correctly. Like all of us are able to write off interest on a loan in some capacity. Of course. And, I, and he just didn't do that. I mean, basically, and that seems I, I, like for somebody I, I, that's a, a fucking billionaire, that just seems like a, a routine thing to do. Like, well, why didn't you do that? It just like so I joke around and say, yes, he filled out the form to the Premier League in crayon. It's just a way of saying that you didn't do something painfully fucking obvious. And yeah. that's the last because I know Sam wanted to jump in with a question as well. Well, I, I just I wanted to, to make that point that it's I, just like, what are you doing? I think the only thing he's trying to be clever by having his ombre, his partner in crime, uh, Russian Uzmanov, kind of collectively fund the stadium themselves. And they thought we were being all clever about it, which I just don't understand. You know, just take the financing deal he had in place and do it like a normal person. That's it. They're just trying to be special, trying to do something unique. Maybe they don't think the rules apply to one, but yeah, I just, you don't do that with someone's football club. It's not okay.
Well, I mean, they're billionaires. The rules definitely don't apply to them. So we've answered a lot of this next question already, and I just kind of want to go with a few things. A one for, you know, those of us here in America kind of thinking about, well, the stadium, what what the hell? Why is this such a big deal? Unlike other countries, you pay for the stadium yourself in fucking England. It's not, it's not you go to the city council and go, oh, hey, make the taxpayers pay for it. Oh, have a lottery and make the lottery pay for the stadiums. That's just not how it is. And the problem was, is that our owner said, ooh, I have Russian oligarch money. I can spend it. And then a war happened. And then there was suddenly no more Russian oligarch money. <laughs> That's it. I mean, that, that explains everything that ever did, done and from a financial standpoint. He has no money. He's had to put up basically all the assets of the club to gain financing because he has no access to his assets. Now, my thought is that, I mean, 777 partners are coming to try and buy the club. This is going on forever. And I've got a lot of questions about that deal, too, because I'm like, these guys are, I mean, already. They're sketchy sketchy as fuck. No question. So the point is, they always claim to be self-financed, too. There's no way they have the money to pull this thing off. So who's providing the funds? Right. I mean, it's I don't want to. It's got to be Portnoy, right? Well, it's got to be Barstool. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually that would be a credible source. Um, my concern is that it's someone like, I mean, funnel it through a shell company to a shell company to another fund to a. I mean, it's a very fun way to take sanctioned assets to magically poof. Now you've got free cash sitting in the UK that is totally legitimate because Farhad Mashiri is the one that got paid off. I don't know. Just seems all shady that they asked for as much money as they did and they were going to get it. Um, Everton's in all sorts of problems right now, for sure. And, I mean, they're floating loan to loan just to pay people. He's just got no money. The problem is Mashiri should have sold a long time ago. Uh, he's just been a very, very bad owner on all certain levels. So, sadly, nothing really surprised me anymore with this guy. Now, uh, that's going to lead me into a couple of things here. And we've also got a question from someone that is uh, listening in right now because I'll, I'm going to jump ahead on our question list and then come back to the uh uh, the initial question it's kind of let's go ahead and look at because the world we live in is whataboutism and we all all of us even people not involved in this all go what about fucking city and what about fucking chelsea <laughs> like that's the first thing that pops into our mind so mel you've got the uh question yeah, for brian us? in the chat wants to know do we think there will be any more clubs penalized this season in particular a certain club in west london and it's not fulham yeah, he's a Fulham supporter. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think I, this season, I don't know that Chelsea will get charged this season. Um, and again, it is a loophole. It's a very gaping loophole, loophole, but it is a loophole. And Todd Bowley has been not really secretive about exploiting that loophole. Those amortizations have been structured over the length of the contract of the player. There is no real reason... I mean, literally, since a Mike yeah, they've closed owned, that leave. They've closed the loophole since since, but yeah. since then. But really, we haven't seen an eight-year, nine-year contract since a Mike Ashley owned Newcastle signed Alan Pardew, right? And I think he just got done being paid. <laughs> I think his his day was three days after Bobby Bonilla day uh, for the <laughs> Americans listening. Uh, <laughs> where he still got paid by Mike Ashley after being sacked. Um, 
So I, at one point, I think Alan Pardew was still being paid by three clubs uh, when he was the the technical director in that, for that Bulgarian side. Or hey, if you're going to bring up Bobby um, Bonilla, don't forget about Albert. Don't call me Joey Bell because he had one of those pay structures too from I, Baltimore. I I got all sorts of stories about Albert Bell, by the way. But let's not talk this totally off. The, no, he was in grad, he was in grad school when I was in grad school. Uh, for a year, I did. I did one of my years at NBA at Arizona State. He was in there, believe it or not. Nice. <laughs> nice. But so, so Chelsea have structured those deals, um, essentially hedging the bets for the next decade for the club, right? That you know, Mudrick was what an eight-year contract or whatever, and they don't have to pay for him. You know, that amortization is built over those eight years. It's like you buying a car and then paying off a year and a half, and then going and buying another car. And then, you know, six months later, going and buying another car. And now you have all these concurrent, you know, deals that run, but you're still only paying $650 a month, right? So it's on your balance sheet at the end of your fiscal season. It's not that bad, right? Yeah, in, I mean. reality. Yeah, that, you're hitting. You, essentially yeah, what's going on. And then also, like I said, in my joking assessment, I think Todd Bowley just filled <laughs> out the thing in American dollars and the British government is still trying to use their their fucking calculator to figure out how to convert it to fucking pounds. I mean, they're going to be in trouble eventually. It might not be this year. It might be next year when you look at kind of the numbers, unless they do some crazy unless, stuff. Unless they fucking have a push at the end of the season and make Europe and then win the Champions League. Yeah, well, I, I mean, mean that, got- that's the only amount of prize money that's going to set off. What what's happening right now? Yeah, honestly, I mean, people, people got to remember. I mean, when he inherited the club, they 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 made like some pretty big profits, I think, in the year prior. Um, but yeah, if you look at it, I mean, you spend, you know, net spend of five hundred whatever. You're right. You do spread it over the years of the contract, so you're only taking the hit one year after the next. But you still then got to sell people. But then they did. What I have a problem with what they did is look at this. They sell Koulibaly at his age to Al Halal for like twenty five million, like. I'm sorry, who is the big fund owner? It's Bailey's not all the money. It's the Saudis that are part, I think, of Silver Lake to do it. So that's shady. And then Edward Mendy goes to Al- uh, Hale for another 20 million pounds. Like, we're not looking into that. That doesn't sound well, the, like and, and there, so there's it's the, like There's the concern with Newcastle as well. Oh, yeah, is, absolutely. Right, is, is selling assets or having other clubs that have Saudi interests, selling assets to Saudi, for a shitload of money and then them having a bad time and being sold to Newcastle on the cheap. Like the Ruben Ruben Neves uh, rumor won't go away from Newcastle at all. For for instance, it hasn't happened yet. Don't get me wrong. But um, that, that sort of situation is what happens when you allow ownership across multiple leagues and multiple countries with different fucking rules in the Saudi league. They literally can just toss a gold bar at the, at the, the selling club. Here you go. Fucking take it. Uh, well, that is a great point. It's a bigger point for a discussion for another time, frankly, because ultimately we're seeing that the big six clubs can now sell aging assets to the Saudis, essentially because the Saudis like yep. baseball cards and they just want their Ken Griffey Jr. card and they'll spend 30 million to have them. Oh, I want a Jordan Henderson. Here's 30 million for him. You know, that's oh, yeah. just the Liverpool that's what it's going to be ludicrous. Uh, but, but, you know, Sam, you're right, though. I, and I actually have done some work for some clubs 
uh, in the Middle East. And yeah, the attraction for an ex Premier League star is a big deal. You know, it's it gives yeah. them recognition, it gives them legitimacy. So some of that's true, but some of these f- fees are ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. the fees Liverpool got for Fernandinho was, I mean, come on, well, like seriously, and, that's just absolutely ludicrous. And that's what's ultimately going to let them still stay s- st- uh, sustainable. Sorry, um, but here's uh, I, I kind of want to wrap it up with a group of questions to kind of finish this all off. Is first off for Everton, uh, do we think there's going to be another points deduction? Where do we stand in our current appeal? Has anything come from that? Is there going to be a points reduction to that? You know, do we go? Because everybody, I think it's universally agreed by everybody other than the three teams trying to stay up that the 10 points is fucking ridiculous. That Portsmouth was liquidated as a club and only lost nine points. And then somehow you make one mistake for 20 million and you get 10 points. And then the final one is, is over the summer when we get through this season, because we're talking about what's going to eventually happen to City and eventually happen to Chelsea. Do we think the league is going to like rechange how FFP works and just to make sure that they can get away with it? And, you know, and they could still stand there and, you know, look tall and strong and go, well, we told Everton and we told Forrest. Well, don't worry about City and them. I mean, they pay for things and they kind of make make our league popular. So we're not going to pay any attention to that. Don't look at that. So that's my round of questions. Well, the first thing I'll say is I would be shocked if the points reduction wasn't reduced to some extent. I mean, because it's kind of unprecedented and there was no basis for it. And frankly, in the Premier League's case, there's no basis for it. They don't even walk through the basis, really. And the, also the idea that I don't like in there is this this concept that, well, you have to dock them points because it gives them a sporting advantage <laughs> by nature. It's just the logic behind it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And they don't even attempt to defend it in their documents. So my guess, it drops a little bit. I don't know if Everton's going to get hit again. I mean, and hell, I, Lester, I, I just, Lester got a fine. Burnley got a uh, got a transfer ban. Yeah, I mean, Everton so has that, a 10-point deduction. My, my, opinion, my opinion is on appeal, they will reduce your original and then reinstate the original on uh on this charge uh so they'll they'll spare you the full 10 points on the first charge on your appeal right they'll say you know okay it's only six points instead of 10 and then this time because it's essentially the same charge the penalty i think will be less and they'll say you know what we're going to charge you a four points and you'll be back and made whole to your original 10 point deduction now is that right no that's in my opinion though sam from the outside looking in and you know we're not buying a top level striker this month because of ffp and Premier league sustainability uh, uh which rules. is the thing you absolutely need it's it's Thank why you you're not much. gonna win the title to because of that it. i don't need to get into it <laughs> wait who but... arsenal does arsenal needs a striker is that really <laughs> okay let, let's let's look at the Premier league table real quick for, for the first time no everybody for the first time ever graham doesn't want to make it all about arsenal <laughs> I'm sorry, did Graham say when to look at the Premier League table? (laughs) Wait, 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 time out. Hold on one second. Arsenal should be thanking Everton for their fight. Otherwise, they would have failed several years ago if they didn't sell Alex Wobie at the last minute to Everton. That was was Kia's move. You know what? That's a true story. Did did you know that story? I may scrap my entire point just to say this. If Sam Allardyce has been in charge of your club for the, no. within the last six years, you're automatically charged by FFP. Actually, that's you're fair. automatically in actually, violation, I, I, and you should just strong. be relegated. I think, actually, that's a really strong statement. I, I support that one. I, 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 I would. I think it's automatic deduction. Wait, he's on your list of candidates? Yeah. Bing. Out. Get, get out. Get out. Just get out through it. What? What? Huh? Um, 
Yeah. But no, so one thing though, just real quick, keep in mind, I mean, this is all in the backdrop is the idea of the independent regulator, the threat that the Premier League can't manage their own stuff. And that's right. a lot of the reason why they come out so hard at Everton, I, I think too. But look, it depends on the amount of the violation too. I, I My guess it can only be interest charges uh, related to somewhat stadium debt. I and mean, Everton's going to have big interest expense anyway because they've been totally screwed up with their financial deals forever um, outside of stadium debt. But that's my guess what it is. So it just depends on how much the money is. Yeah. So, but uh, what, I, what I was going to say is, is from the outside looking in, same, isn't that a, a I, I understand the whataboutism, but isn't that a little bit of whataboutism, right? Oh, if Mousiri fucked is. up, Mousiri fucked up and he deserves to be punished for it. Now, does that mean, hey, take it easy on us because you're taking it easy on City? No. What that means is, you should be harder on City because you were hard on us. I mean, that's the, the, that's the difference in the conversation is they need to charge City. They they have charged, charged City. They need to find City and hold City accountable. They need to look at Chelsea and Forrest and some of these clubs that are doing these things. I mean, I don't know how many buffets Mike Ashley took the Newcastle players to, but eventually that 11-pound 95 adds up. So they need to look at those balance sheets. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's so true. Th that's my point is, is the it's way that you, you say stuff sometimes. Um, I haven't really called you out on it, but it, it is kind of what about is when you go, oh, 20 million. Well, you fucked up, bro. Like you should be charged. You fucked up. I, I have said on this show, we fucked up. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just, right. And then you talk about what about is, and then you just said, we only fucked up 20 million. Do you really need to dock us 10 points? I agree the punishment was harsh, but what I'm saying is, is, is that does city not being held accountable does not alleviate Everton's accountability. True. True. It's only different in the fact that they, they've come out and said, look, Everton's not intentionally trying to, hide anything right now but that's but fair and that's that should be difference. taken into account that should yep. be taken into account absolutely should be taken into yeah, account yeah we, we can we can tell we can see that musiri is not smart enough to game the system what they should be looking at is that this the the um what are they qatari uh that own city uh uae they are smart enough to game the fucking system. So you should be throwing the book at them. On a big that. scale, man. <laughs> I get that. I understand that. The problem is, is that we all buy oil from them and we want to keep them fucking happy, don't we? So it all ties in. <laughs> as much as FIFA doesn't like to be in politics, FIFA is, football is directly entrenched in politics. It is the global sport. It is the mechanism for sports watching. Um, music, because of the Saudis, uh, at least in this country, has become a mechanism for sports watching. And that's what the government regulators should be going after, is these, these, these entities, these states that are trying to sports wash and do things while in the back end chopping up fucking reporters and doing other nefarious uh, fucking bullshit, and they're not doing it. I mean, the world is absolute dog shit. And our solace is football. And now football has been infiltrated by these cunts. And it's fucking annoying. Well, that's why I want them to know who, who are the real buyers behind 777 Partners. Yep. That, that's the stuff that we as fans want to know. Because I, I, I mean, and, and the sad part is, like, can't you just kick Mashiri out like you did Rudy? I know you don't have any sort of political reason necessarily to do it. But that would be ample punishment because the fans would be thrilled. Don't punish the fans, right? Whatever happened to that? 
Yeah. Um, I will say this, though, in terms of rules going forward, Sam, to address your, your final question is FIFA was already moving towards the issue with um, City and their delays and whatnot. More of an instantaneous enforcement idea to have it revenue based on salary, based on revenue, all similar to an NFL cap. But they've screwed that up, I think. So I, I don't think they're really going to implement it. But, yeah, it should be something that's instantaneously enforced. Let me see what your numbers are. No, you can't approve this deal. No, you can't have that deal. If you really want to be serious about it. Look, I don't like revenue-driven anything because it's totally unfair. It's missing the point. But, you know, if it's something instantaneous, at least you know what the rules are. Uh, Graham, the one point I wanted to make to you as you were going on about the whataboutism thing is I've said from the get-go, we fucked up. I've said that I, very I, I, I'm not saying that you haven't said Ever that. Ever said that, too. That you, Ever you since do. said that, too. I'm not saying that you haven't said that. I'm saying that you sometimes contradict yourself when you go on rants. Is what I'm saying. All right. Well, and I'm going to say the following. Lester violated the rules when they came up to the exact same dollar amount we did. They received a fine, not a point deduction. If they would have received a point deduction, they wouldn't have finished in 17th place. They would have finished in the relegation zone and they would have gone down. And the next year they would have been playing in the championship, not winning the fucking league. Well, I will say this too. Here's another one. If Forrest gets off by waiting to sell Brennan Johnson and making problem. money as a result. Big problem. Well, it's a big problem for if you're an Everton fan because then I look at it and say, well, wait a second. We sold Richarlison for 55, 60 million right before the deadline. And we had had offers in the past for him for 80 and more. So you could apply the exact same scenario where Everton did eat it and could have made the difference. Would it have made a $19.5 million difference? Million pound difference? Maybe. So that'll be interesting how that turns out. I mean, look, how do they enforce any of this stuff? Like the bottom line is don't put rules in play that can't enforce. I mean, how ridiculous is this? We're looking back at financial statements three and four years ago and trying yeah, is, to manipulate that, them. absurd how too. It's so dumb. I, I don't know. It's just sad. You know, sometimes you're right though. Where are the fans in all this? I mean, aren't the rules designed to be encouraging for the fans and the supporters? I thought, well, I thought that and that, that's that's part of why I, I I started off kind of being upset at Newcastle supporters for buying into the idea of their clubs being owned by the Saudis. Um, but they're just fans of a team. They have no say in it. This is all above our head, just like anything else. And it's like. Why should I stop loving what I love because the 1% does what they do? That's not fair. So I got less mad at Newcastle fans for, for them, you know, buying into the, those. Yeah, 10 points doesn't hurt Mashiri. We go down in the championship, he sells. It hurts the fans. Yeah, well, he sells. Well, it, that's what irritates me a little bit because we don't go, if Everton doesn't go down, and they said, we can't find him. We have to have a sporting sanction because of the sporting advantage game. If Everton does go down, you know what you just did? You just find him. Because they, they would have lost, you know, two to four places. That's amount to about 10 million pounds. And yeah. that's your fine. Yeah. I mean, how stupid them. is that? It's just um. dumb. So all it does, it, it is a virtual fine if they don't go down. So why punish the fans, you jerk? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, yeah. it, it's it's all very backwards, I think. But But you're right. Everton did wrong. They need to take responsibility for oh, their absolutely. own actions. And I tell you right now, if they try and pull the same interest expense garbage now, I'm like, you needed to have dedicated debt for the stadium, guys. That I is mean, on the, you. The, 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 worst, the worst part about it is it, it's not Everton's fault. It's Musiri's fault. Yes, yes. It's, right. Very it's, well put. 
whoever's fault. It's these institutions, these clubs were here long before these people lived, and they'll be here long after these people die. And it, that's the shame. The, the ownership structure, the word is still tossed around by everybody in English football, but the, the meaning has, has died, died a heavy death. These people are stewards of the club. The club is still the tribal piece in that neighborhood, regardless of its global appeal. Arsenal Football Club is still the tribal birthplace of North London. Yeah, we still do things in the community. We still go to the hospital. We still, you know, provide the soccer school. We still provide support for families. We still do all those things yeah, that, that the original club did. I don't remember in my lifetime, the Redskins doing a lot of that shit. They go to the hospitals to take the pictures. I don't remember them donating money to a bunch of people, uh, you know, a bunch of places in PG County. I remember them getting a lot of tax breaks for building that stadium though. Right, a stadium that was built with taxpayer money <laughs> and provided, you know, some $9 an hour jobs. I remember them doing that, but I don't remember them doing anything else to further the, the economy or the people here. Right. Arsenal do do that. Everton do do that. Liverpool do do that. Newcastle do do that. All these clubs do those things still in England, the way that the system is worked out. He said doo-doo. A lot. I was saying, are we going to name the <laughs> Multiple thing? Multiple times, doo-doo? honestly. It wasn't just Yeah, one. probably. I was, I, was, I was like, you're rolling. Just go. That's because it's um, all but, shit. <laughs> but my, right, exactly that. It's so on, on our level, right, these, these people are meant to be or supposed to be stewards of the club, and they're not anymore. And it just it's a, a further fucking situation where the, the 1% is growing, the rest of us are falling behind, and we don't matter. They don't give a fuck about us because we still buy their oil. We still buy their fucking whatever they're selling, natural gas. We still go to their concerts, by the we way. Still they go own to the, all we that. still go to their concerts. Well, more recently, we still mm. go to their concerts or buy tickets to sporting events on their platforms. We, we still do these things. And they're just sitting there stroking their fucking tiger, driving their Lamborghini, and not giving a motherfuck about us. And it doesn't matter. And anytime somebody speaks wrong of them, they chop them up, throw them into the one river they got because it's really hot there, and that's it. And it's it's fucking bullshit. The whole th- the world is bullshit. And the best well, thing well, we hold, can hold do. On one I, I just want to make sure I want well, I understand one thing. Are you suggesting that if you have a tiger or a Lamborghini, you're definitely part of the one percent? I just want to make sure. Not that I'm <laughs> I have them. I just I'm just throwing out. I just want to confirm. Ladies and gentlemen, Listen, Ryan Williams, the one percent. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I never said we never said I wasn't part of the one percent. <laughs> but I just, just see if I happen to have either of those two things. Listen, don't be mad at me because you know how to write interest off, and Everton Football Club don't. All right, don't. Yeah. don't. Tigers are really hard to take care of. By the way. <laughs> you need a lot of land. Um, there's not enough land in in where I live to to have a tiger. Just, I'm not saying I haven't looked into it. I just. It's just so frustrating because the gap is getting bigger and we're, we are becoming as a, as a fan base, as, as normal world citizens, we're becoming less and less fucking important and we're doing all the goddamn work and it's fucking annoying and I hate everything about it. And it, it just fucking sucks. And I think it, we just want to watch the game, man. We want to watch the game that's it. with our friends have a fair competition and something that we and love it, to just, get it speaks to so many more problems. It speaks to so many more politics and it, it's ruining 
the game. This is what we, you know, I feel the same level of dirty and angst that I felt when I watched Christian Erickson collapse. When death infiltrated my game, I feel the same angst and dirtiness that I do now because of rich people getting into the game and fucking it up and using it as their plaything. And it sucks and it's getting worse. And I hate everything about it because this is our escape from the mundane. This is our time to be animalistic or tribal ourselves. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is the way to have a good fucking time. And once again, rich people are ruining it. And it's just, it's fucking, it sucks. I can't fit in a Lamborghini, by the way. Just like I'm too tall. Yeah, you're you're a rather tall man. Yes, Mel. At least he at least he didn't make a big cock joke. I thought that was coming. <laughs> Again, the American Toffee Podcast <laughs> is a family affair. Yeah, that logo. Family affair. Up. That sounds like a weird Pornhub search. Well, you know, the rich elites can kind of do whatever they want with other people's. Now, you know what? I'm not going to go there just because the the Epstein. Now, sorry, I'm just, bad idea. Sorry, hold on. I'm wait, not going to take the, it down that route. Nope. Well, what we'll was stick the, with tigers um, and Lamborghinis? We're we're that trashy. You could go down that route. Oh, I, no, I, I know but, that. I just I don't want to be going down that route. So what I you can do it after is, I get off. I mean, that is quite the phallic uh, uh, symbol behind you. <laughs> but, uh, or Madonna's breast. One of the two. What I heard was the American Toffee podcast. The stars, I get it. The aristocrats. <laughs> Excellent. All I mean, right, we're going to... Alex, we are- Alex Johnson lives in the 757, and James is up in freaking Maine, so, like, nah. Nah. I mean, we're Everton fans. I mean, come on, man. It's just you and Nova, man. Just you and Nova. You're the you're, you're bringing up the tax bracket for this, the uh, this, show. This freaking place. Let me uh, tell you what, this freaking place. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up, boys. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for taking time to uh, hang out with us. Um, we're going to finish up the show. If you want to hang out on the Zoom, by all means, feel free. And then we're going to we're do another show all about the uh, uh, the rest of the other leagues as well. If you want to hang out. you If not, you got to roll. No big. Uh, but please plug away everything for uh your show and where everybody can find you well i gotta go feed my tiger but uh you know <laughs> the american toffee podcast um we're on <laughs> no i love that's so great rare american toffee <laughs> podcast uh james alex and i uh, a little bit different takes on everton um check us out we're out there on twitter you could find me too at at Ryan Soccer AA as well uh do lots uh, of scouting excuse me sir another yeah. rich person fucked that up it's x now Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, wherever the, the, the last bastion of free speech, is that what you're saying? Anyways, I, I mean, if we're going to be, you know, if you want me to play the role of the 1%, I could do that too. Um, you know, God, I'm like, you know, I was wearing an unfrozen caveman lawyer shirt the other day, like t-shirt. And that's what I think of, you know, sometimes this world frightens me. I just want to jump out of my BMW and run into a cave or something. Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, America Talks podcast, listen to us. If you want Everton news, um, and yeah, just follow me on Twitter if you like. I, I tweet about all sorts of different things, Premier League, not necessarily Everton. And I watch a lot, a lot of football. So um, if you've got any questions, any players around the world, things like that, give me a shout. Ryan, at some point, you're going to do an intro to our show. And when you do the intro to our show, you're going to fucking cuss. I mean, I'm from Pittsburgh. I mean, you think I don't swear? Okay, all right. The, the, fa- the fact that you call it swear, I don't think you do. <laughs> well, I mean, I grew up in Pittsburgh. 
Season takes the Steelers, I've and I play I, I play ice hockey. I mean, seriously, I've spent time with the man. Yes, yeah, I mean, he yeah, does. I've had lots of a drinks. Lot. Together. There's a whole lot of swearing. A there. lot. <laughs> sure money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to uh, your segment, Mr. Graham, since you don't want to get it started. Uh, so this is, uh, of course, the money segment. And I'm trying to find how much I'm down and okay. I can't. Would you currently. just like me to go since I'm fully prepared, unlike you? Um, yeah, this is our betting segment, obviously. Sure money, which it's not really sure money actually it's an ironic reference because we suck and i'm just bitter that i'm down 647 dollars. i found it so sam your turn uh only <laughs> one half of manchester helped my bet the problem is is i need the other one to lose and they drew so i am down 339 dollars. big sam's lock of the week graham you're gonna love this did you know that 20 percent of the time it works 100% of the time. Nice round number right on the zero, baby. You know, what sucks is the CPA just got off, and we had a nice round number there for him. I that know. Sucks. He would have liked that. Um, You know what? Fuck it. I'm pulling a gram. Give me all five matches. Arsenal over Palace. Forest over the Bees. Irons over the Blades. Liverpool over the Cherries. And the Seagulls over the Wolves. And that will pay out a massive two thousand nine hundred and twenty eight dollars three of those are road dogs and the only road dog i'm really confident in is uh liverpool over uh over the cherries but irons over the blades is on the road and force over the bees is on the road but 29 28 if i hit mr graham nice that's a good payout and now it's time for our degenerate gambling friend, Pat's Pick of the Week. Everybody's stepping all over the uh, sound cues tonight. Yeah, it's that whole Zoom thing. Right. It's not easy. I, I, I thought Ryan knew that when I do this, it means shut the fuck up. As everybody's watching on the video, when I, make a, when I have my open hand and I make a fist, that means it's the end of the segment. You know, Sam, I'm starting to get worried about you because you're getting senile. I know. None of them heard any of that. None of them. Nobody heard a single mistake. Because you made it all go away. Because I made it all go away. Through the magic of radio. Through the magic of podcasting. I still uh, like to put well, it up. You know what? You know what? Through the magic of live podcasting, which we are doing right now, I got sent this from Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and it just says doo-doo. <laughs> Brian says he's got only four minutes left and he has to go to bed. All good. We gotta Brian. remember midnight. He has to call it at midnight. Yeah. Well, we're we we've got two more fucking shows. Uh, to I do. did text Pat. Uh, you up? Uh-huh. And I haven't heard anything. Uh, uh, no, I have I have an email from him, but I don't want him. I don't want Brian to know how bad I'm gonna do. So I'm just gonna sit here in silence for a second. And I'm gonna ride that. T- I'm gonna ride that two minutes out. Do do. Uh, I mean, I can do the chicken. No. Do Pat's bet. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, Pat says, sorry about last week. I thought the FA Cup was still taking precedence. There weren't fucking games. Yeah. Uh, and you were not doing bets. But I'll take the $100 loss for a no-show. Actually, you had a bet, Pat. It was Geckles. Still lost. <laughs> so you're still taking a $100 L. Uh, I did hit 
over the holidays for 165. So now I'm only down $1,745. This week, I'm going to just make one bet on a match I like. I'll take the Forest over Brentford at plus 280. Hope you guys are doing good. And hopefully, I'll be recovered from the flu and able to call in next week. Uh, by the That's way, a shame. Graham, I will uh, fill for you for, uh, you know, Brian since he's about to go to bed. <laughs> and um, my couple loser says uh, to go along with the third part of the joke we often tell and fucking Man United. <laughs> no shit. All right. So my bet, uh, real quick, I am going to uh, make up my entire loss and be back in the positives um for uh for the new week here uh arsenal to beat palace brentford to beat wolves with over one and a half goals you know why sam brentford plays forest not wolves i meant forest okay very good Uh, yeah it is written forest wolves is just below forest in as i keep typing Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh brentford to beat forest with over one and a half goals do you know why why ivan tony's back Ah, there we go. His ban, I'm 99% sure his ban expired on the 16th. Okay. So he should be back. Uh, and I think he'll be back fit and firing. Uh, Liverpool to beat Bournemouth uh, away from home. And Brighton to win at home over Wolves, um, which was just under, like I said on my screen, just under, which is why I misread so- uh, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that pays me plus 769. Draw hard around it. Sam's in the black. So you are doing a four-game parlay for going the West Ham match, and you are doing yep. the opposite of me on the Brentford. So there's some some rivalry skin in this game. I like that on the way oh, we're doing definitely. our bet this week. Very there's good. Some bi- there's some big foreskin in this game. We, we could both lose. Or it could come down to one of us winning or losing based mm-hmm. off of that one match. I like that. Absolutely. We're both going to have rooting yeah. interest against each other. I just, I don't trust West Ham away from home. <laughs> I still haven't really worked out what Chris Wilder, Sheffield United is, uh, this this iteration of them. So I stayed the fuck away from that match. I don't know what to do there. Well, you know who keeps hitting bets and we don't keep hitting bets? The fucking chicken. Well, Kitty missed her second in a row and sits at 12 and 7. So this week, I gave Kitty West Ham heading to Sheffield. Now, Kitty quickly showed me the final scene of Shaun of the Dead. Have you seen that movie, Graham? I have, actually, yes. Uh, So the scene where Nick Frost is a zombie playing video games with his friend. Now, if you look carefully, you can see a chicken in the shed. And you guessed it, Kitty was an extra on that film. She's apparently, Nick is a massive West Ham supporter. So, you know, Kitty is picking the irons to beat Doblades. And uh, with that, always remember to gamble legally and responsibly. Her ghostwriter made it a very good point to not mention Simon Pegg's name because Simon Pegg likes a different club. So it's very important to only talk about Nick Frost. Her ghostwriter did a very good job there. 
I, I don't know what you're talking about. I went up there and talked to the chicken. Uh, Millie was up there going, but Brock, this snow is bullshit, lady. Can you make it go away? <laughs> All right. That is going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Sammy, any parting words? Um, uh, in, in case you haven't been following, um, those of us in the DMV uh, usually fall in one of about 30 camps because we are a transient area with all of the military bases we have around. I just, as a red uh, commander football skins uh, supporter, want to make mention that the Dallas Cowboys failed to make a um, uh, pass the first round of the playoffs again. Uh, that's 12 years running or so um, longest streak active in the NFL for a team that has made the playoffs. Um so just go fuck yourselves. Yeah, if we're talking about assholes losing, I'll point out that Vivek just suspended his presidential campaign. <laughs> of course he did. Um, uh, Graham, you remember from uh, Tombstone, the the uh, end of the movie where they were burying Wyatt Earp and Charlie Epps had played Wyatt Earp on film and the last line was, and Charlie Epps wept. And Jerry Jones wept <laughs> that was it's pretty great to, to see it was pretty great it's to just see. great it's just good to see i love seeing the uh the, the cowboys fans upset because y'all ain't them boys and you ain't been for a long time huh? the best the best meme i've seen about it was a a man about my age sitting with like a one-year-old son on his lap and an older man sitting next to him um and obviously it doesn't make sense because the kid's about one, but it says, Daddy, what's a Super Bowl? So I don't know, son, let's ask your grandpa. <laughs> Which uh, my boys have won a Super Bowl when I was five years old. Did I know what was going on? Mm-hmm. Fuck no, but <laughs> I know that it happened. I graduated. And y'all ain't seen it for ages. I graduated high school when we won our last Super Bowl. It's the same <laughs> Super Bowl Graham's talking about. <laughs> hey, don't worry. I turned I in six in I turned six in May that year. So I was fully potty trained by then. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Next up is injury time where we're going to go ahead and preview the other half of the uh, split fixture week. Uh, Nothing to really talk about the IBS or fantasy because the game, the week is not done yet, but we will talk about the beers that we have been drinking and uh, preview those handful of games. Mr. Graham, where can you find injury time? It's patreon.com forward slash D football. So just sign up to that one. Well, the Iowa caucuses have started that one huge, brilliant $5 tier and just sign up because it's fucking great. Don't worry. There's only truth spoken on it. It's fucking fantastic. Can't beat it. Our podcast um, but, is bigly huge. <laughs> but there is a uh, a bit of a treat on there if you can see this can um i will be reviewing and mel i'll be bringing you a can next week of uh, all view liquors uh one of the stores that i call on uh their barrel aged imperial stout um injury time might also wrong, uh, run a little long because this beer clocks in at 16 motherfucking percent holy um, shit it's a big boy uh, so it, it, but it is delicious. delicious. So we'll be talking about that big time. That is just worth five bucks, even if you fucking sign up and cancel. 
that beer review is going to be fucking worth it. Well, and hell, listen to uh, Soundcheck and you get our uh, 30-minute diatribe about our trip to Boise. Which we've got one detail to Boise that I promised to share that we didn't share on Soundcheck. Okay. Share an injury time. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, everybody, uh, till next week. Good night. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right AA, the fucking Gooner Graham. Stuff of a lord. Look straight in shorts. Sam Graham. Sam Graham. Don't you get that?